Hello everyone. Hi guys. I'm Soham. And I'm Rafia. And we are just pondering and after this little vacation of ours, we are back with our third episode, Eat, Evolve, Repeat. This is going to be all about food from the prehistoric times to the modern times and a little bit of everything in between. So to get right into it, let's start off with Rafia. Thanks, Soham. Now it becomes essential to understand the food trends that evolved over a million of years because the shifts such as consumption of plain vegetables and leaves to the consumption of meat from the hunting and gathering activities and then uh, discovery of cooking leading to softening of food all these trends have actually led our species homo sapiens to becoming these intelligent beings that we are today everything from the ability to form abstract thoughts being able to communicate so sophisticatedly uh, these cognitive abilities of ours and then being able to walk with an upright spine on two feet and being able to have smaller jaws and larger brain. All this is related to what our ancestors ate and what we've been eating so far. The evolution of human brain itself for that matter started with uh, one of the kinds the, of the homo genus, the homo erectus. When they started to consume much larger uh, animals meat and marrow. Well, tinier animals like insects and reptiles had always been part of the diet along with vegetables and berries. But uh, Homo erectus began consuming meat from larger animals and then marrow from these larger animals. Uh, because they had now developed tools to be able to butcher animals outside of their mouth. So they also had smaller teeth. And so teeth got smaller and brains got larger. And this evolution of human, and this comes very close to the evolution of human brain. It's a milestone. I know ethical vegetarianism preachers might disagree that consumption of meat played an influential role, but it is a popular belief, and evidence from the skull of Homo erectus and the species earlier also says so. It proves so because the skulls of Homo erectus happens to be much larger to make room for the larger brain. And those of earlier species happens to be flatter. And then, of course, after larger meat came into the diet, we began to shift towards food security by growing uh, food in smaller communities, which is actually a hint towards agrarian societies. So that is that is evolution of uh, diet and sort of us becoming an evolved species in a nutshell. Yes. That is, that is, that was quite the summary. I feel like, well, we should just end the podcast here, but we won't. Don't worry. All right. So this is, there is this book that I was reading just recently and it had this sentence. It was by a neurosurgeon who had also done a little bit of general practice. So he, he had mentioned this in his book. The reason and the ability of us as a species a, being able to do a cesarean for pregnancy is the same our larger brains since we have a large brain hence we have a large head and hence there might be reason why we would need a cesarean in the first place and that larger brain is the one that facilitates all the technology and the research that went into that procedure being possible at all so on on similar lines today we need to barbecue our meat in order to or basically cook our meat in really good conditions in order to be able to consume it 
the need for it and the reason that we can even do it is both our bigger brain so to take you back to the period that rafia was talking about during the course of evolution of an ape into a human being that we are today homo erectus was definitely a pivotal factor when it comes to brain development because as brain development began to get a little complex and our brains began to go grow bigger it was accompanied by and mainly caused by also uh, the shift in diet to a, a, a nutrient dense diet that was meat so we spent a lot of time and energy uh, when it came to our bodies trying to digest anything that was plant sourced because it had it was heavy in fiber and it took, it took a lot for the body to extract the nutrients from it but when it came to meat it was easy to digest it had more nutrients and energy and calories basically for us to harvest out of it than uh, any plant based diet so what this did was it helped nourish and sort of just encourage the brain to grow bigger and bigger because brain happens to be one of the most if not one of the most probably the most energy hungry part of our body the most energy hungry organ in our body and having a meat based diet basically helped our brains get larger and more complex and that's the reason that our our evolution took a turn in that direction and hence uh, led to us getting where we are today so we certainly cannot ignore the nutrients density the nutrients bioavailability which grew exponentially when larger meat started to become a part of the diet after plant based diets it's just amusing how dietary changes drive evolutionary changes yep yep um there is this quote uh, by some scientist named leonard i don't know his last name or what he does but i just know he's a scientist his name is leonard please bear with me so there is this scientist who just said in his article where uh, th- there is this common term that we uh, this common phrase that we hear flying around you are what you eat that guy had to argue against it he said actually you are what your ancestors ate so basically what he was pointing at is that the current uh, state our bodies are in uh, the the way we have evolved completely depends upon what our ancestors ate and what their diet structures were back then and what was available what was not and that is something that helped evolution sort of correct its course or or just change its course to get, get getting here where we are today for example uh, there is this fun fact that i read online the ability of our saliva to be able to break down starches in our food even before they get into our digestive system for good okay just while chewing them the ability of our saliva to digest this variety of starches varies depending on where you are and basically who your ancestors are because depending on their diet it was up to their saliva to evolve to break down start breaking down food very early or you know just leave it for the uh, the main digestive system to work on it so there might be some foods which are which start digesting themselves right at the moment you start chewing them and there might be some foods that your body is not just just not designed to recognize and hence won't start digesting themselves until they get into your you know the hot zone of your 
digestive systems yeah i see the reason could be the geography of different cultures for instance uh, people who used to feed on um, animals in the extreme north and south regions or the north pole south pole very cold regions had a um, less availability of uh, plant based meat uh, sorry plant based proteins and uh, as compared to tropical mm-hmm. areas and grasslands where the diet was completely different so this difference yeah. is also a, a result of uh, the uh, abilities the dietary abilities of our evolved species yep yep the diet plan so to speak of the homo erectus became that of a part hunter part gatherer where we relied heavily on meats but also stuck to the basic stuff where uh, that we were doing until we got there that is well foraging looking for fruits and edible vegetables and roots and berries and nuts and uh, small reptiles whatever we could find right despite uh, the fact that meal con- large meat consumption played such an important role in the evolution a lot of paleo anthropologists who rely on dental structures and their inferences uh, related to diet argue that our dental structure is not of the modern human is not designed to consume meat it is rather designed to consume animal produced fibers not animal meat fibers itself so a lot of people because of this reason also believe that we are supposed to go back to eating how our ancestors ate but then again a lot of people say that no we should not be consuming meat like our ancestors did what do you have to say to these uh, people who preach meat consumption or those others who don't preach meat consumption and what do you have to say about these animal products that we've been eating animal processed foods like milk cheese which formed a part of our diet much later earlier these were not a part of our diet right I, there is this evolutionary point uh, w- w- about our about the way we are designed as not just homo sapiens but uh, even going far into the history humans aren't really designed to be predators we can just i think we can just agree on that we do not have the strength we are bipedal and even even when we were well uh, not really walking upright we didn't have the bodily strength or we didn't have the claws we didn't have jaw strength we didn't have particularly sharp slash strong canines basically we weren't built to be predators we uh, we made our way just finding food not really hunting it down so what happened during the homo erectus period and the the reason and sort of the like it's it's kind of interdependent on each other the reason why we developed tools and the reason and the reason why the tool developing ability even made its way into our brain is because we started hunting bigger animals because we started going after bigger animals meat so it was only using those tools that we could bring down animals which were larger than us C- coming to the fact that people preach about what our diet should be and shouldn't be and whether we should be going back to our roots or not well if you take into consideration the ancestors before the time that we were an agricultural society before uh, we were growing food for our own and we before we had domest- domesticated animals well technically yes uh, we were hunter gatherers back then but there is this just this one point that i want to highlight which in no way is a an a contradiction to any of these people we are talking about but it's just something that 
we might want to consider hunting was not exactly a very sure fire way of making sure that you and your family survived there is a good amount of evidence which suggests that the reason why we were hunter gatherers and not just hunters was because hunting wasn't a sustainable enough or you know a guaranteed enough source of sustenance so there were times when and and for whatever reasons one might just be unsuccessful on a given day or there might be a drought there might be just there might be an uh, unavailability of any uh, meat to be found and for whatever reason if there is a short period of time where meat is scarce it was the gatherer part of our ancestors it was the foragers it was the women who were usually left at home to care for the children it was the women and those children who went foraging and who found roots and fruits and berries and leaves and what not it is that food that kept our ancestors alive to see another day where they could hopefully find some meat and looking at how agricultural societies came into being and going ahead were so popular so to speak was because they provided a amount of food security that the hunter gatherer routine just could not if i was growing my own food in my own backyard i i had a semblance of a control over it and i had a certain amount of food security to it and that is something that drew a lot of these hunter gatherers into that it sort of like drew them over the line and into those agricultural societies and looking at how that worked out agricultural societies soon agricultural communities i would say soon outnumbered the hunter gatherer communities because of the social because of the food security that they had which also resulted in a population explosion so going ahead yes it it did come to light that agriculture and domestication of animals was the way forward and that's what our ancestors chose and uh, there is this really fun fact about lactose intolerance that we that, that is something that we have going around today so as we all know from a biological point of view we are designed to be able to digest milk that is lactose only until we are infants or until we are of a certain age because that's when that's the point of time until which we are dependent solely on milk and after that when we are able to consume food other than milk our body just stops producing the enzyme called lactase which in turn is basically responsible for being able to digest lactose our body just stops making that enzyme and hence we develop lactose intolerance so from a biological point of view being lactose intolerant when you are 20 is a totally normal slash you know expected thing to be but after the domestication of animals are like the homo erectus basically who was lactose intolerant who followed that pattern of being lactose intolerant after infancy started becoming lactose tolerant again because milk and a few milk products not not a lot of processed products obviously but a few milk products started coming back into the customary the the regular sort of a diet and it was beneficial for the people back then to be lactose tolerant to be able to derive the nutrients that they wanted from milk than to be lactose intolerant as biology compelled them to be when you say our ancestors didn't really rely on milk and milk products that's true if you're looking at ancestors beyond the point of agriculture and domestication of animals if you are looking at hunter gatherers no we were definitely not designed to be lactose tolerant after 
the initial stages of our life and that makes sense that way but if you refine your search to include these slightly later ancestors as well it makes sense that we would be okay with drinking as much milk as we want even in our in our 20s and 30s without really suffering from it because that's how those ancestors did it and the proof of that sort of shows up in the communities today that are geographically placed uh, and are either lactose tolerant because their ancestors happened to be communities who were into herding and what not and hence had milk and milk products in their diet or can be lactose intolerant because none of their ancestors really had milk as a, as part of their diet and hence never really re-evolved their bodies into being lactose tolerant so yeah i mean it's a it's a bit of a game of perspectives i would say right at this point it makes me wonder that we are what we are because of evolution if we have started to consume more milk processed products then our bodies should be able to adapt to that so i don't see the point in going all the way back to paleolithic diet or going all the way back to the days when people were consuming vegetables or meat or we just have to think from now from now we have evolved so far our diet is this this how do we go from here so the idea the concept that people preach about going all the way back to adapting what our ancestors ate does not make sense to me okay since you mentioned about milk and lactose i feel that i should bring in the medieval diet here because the medieval diet is pretty recognizable in the modern era and it was a lot hard healthier as compared to the present time for instance you might think that almond milk is quite trendy nowadays but it's been a very staple part of the diet of the medieval people because see back then they didn't have preservative options for uh, milk uh, from the cow or the buffalo and they would go bad very soon very quickly but the almond milk could stay fresh for a while and so it became quite popular in the pantry of the households of the medieval folks <laughs> yeah who who even knew almond milk dated back i mean i i totally thought this was something that had come into being just only these recent years exactly same here it's when you start looking for healthier options on say big basket you figure out okay almond milk milk exists yeah right so so i had seen this joke slash meme on the internet uh, recently where god asks his assistant uh, what are they doing over there with that almond and the assistant says uh, sir they are trying to remove like you know extract milk from it and god is like why just why i have i've given them cows and buffaloes and goats and ox yaks and camels like why are they looking at almonds for extraction of milk and the assistant says yeah they don't like the milk from either of those sources and god just well he just tells noah to ready his ark because it's time for another flood <laughs> Okay. yeah but that's just well uh, that, that that's just a funny way of looking at it people not being really cool with other people's choices so okay this calls for a digression of the current evolution track to another evolution track <laughs> sure sure please <laughs> but like going back to the medieval diet see even though they did have a lot heart healthier diet and almond milk proves it on the other hand do they consumed a lot bread and grain up to 2 to 3 pounds which is approximately 1 kg of bread and grains 
and this is actually equivalent to 3000 calories and that's equivalent to five and a half big macs in a day on top of that you add 1500 calories from ale every single day 1500 calories from ale every single day and i just wonder why these peasants was despite eating so much so fit and not obese oh yeah it's because they they would work out for almost they would do labor for almost 12 hours so that actually helped yeah, that's, them that's pretty much my yeah that's pretty much my consumption in a week so yeah <laughs> right i'm sure and and uh, almost close to minimal labor from your end i'm sure फ्रूट्स they did not believe in eating vegetables and fruits raw because they believed that the raw vegetables and fruits were riddled with diseases and it was actually looked down upon to eat vegetables and fruits raw the practice of eating salads was looked down upon in the medieval times and the richer folks from the medieval times they completely shunned the practice of eating vegetables these lower class and the middle class of the medieval times they did not have so much luxury to to finally cook the vegetables and fruits so they would just eat those raw but yeah it was certainly looked down upon to be eating the raw vegetables and fruits and by the rich of people the whole idea of eating vegetables was looked down upon but having said that they actually ate some herb kind of vegetables like onions garlic and leeks and to that i have to say a smart choice <laughs> you say that the rich looked down upon eating vegetables and all i can think of is how today's toddlers can be seen as medieval rich people because they, they i'm pretty sure they looked down upon eating vegetables just as classily and elegantly as the rich people from the medieval age, ages did and there is also this i have i have actually got a couple of fun facts about this like you said the laborers were well quite heavy when it came to their diets and were really hard workers as well there is this fact that labor there are some laborers in egypt were paid in grain and beer instead of money and that was that was normal and uh, there were also some laborers who if they died on site they would be buried with bread or like grain and beer to be taken to the afterlife because they don't have a cafeteria over there so yeah so so that's that's definitely a thing which kind of ties into what you were saying and there is also this another fact as you were talking about eating vegetables raw or cooked eating fruits raw or cooked and whether or not to eat vegetables fruits cereal grain bread whatever this has been of a this has been a point of constant change based on you know what society claimed it to be and how things came to change and all that so there was a point where lobsters were deemed to be the food for servants and slaves and you know for basically low caste people and the high caste people they did not eat lobster because it just wasn't you know rich food but in the 1800s uh, the railroad passengers they consumed a lot of lobster they basically made the lobster demand go up because they didn't know of this custom slash this belief 
so they consumed a lot of lobster and hence the lobster went up in demand and became very popular and that's how it ended up being a gourmet food as of today so think of it like this today what something sells i am a vegetarian i don't know how much uh, a lobster would cost you at a restaurant but i'm thinking a lot so something that costs a lot and comes under gourmet food today was literally classified as a slaves or a servants food back in the you know i don't know late 1700s that is amusing along the same lines even exotic fruits and vegetables that are considered to be gourmet today were shunned by these medieval folks yeah this is literally a sort of embodiment of the fact that you don't understand the value or the price of something until it's gone or something like that i don't know some in, insert some heavy philosophical uh, line here and maybe think that i'm kind of smart that way but yeah continue <laughs> actually the uh, the consumption of a food item depends upon its value within the community and its distribution as well so that is why the lobster case makes sense hey i i thought i thought we we had agreed that i was trying to make myself look smart here you you are just stealing my thunder at this point better luck next time so hum damn it yeah okay now that we're talking about medieval times how can we not talk about the evolution of table manners the practice of table manners table etiquettes it got heavily influenced because of these medieval times during the medieval period the renaissance to be precise so there are a lot of table manners that we follow today some basic manners that have come from that have evolved from those times for instance do not bring negative vibes to the table we need to have a healthy communication at the dining table mm-hmm. and of course the practice of using forks knives plates table cloth the hand cloth to wipe your hands on by the side the napkin all these have evolved and have been there Uh, usage has been pushed during the renaissance period in fact the phrase set the table which involves right from setting the table cloth and then all things on top was popularized from the renaissance period itself when the host has mm-hmm. to set the table they were fancy people back then not not so much today but well yeah it was it was a, a matter of sophistication and privilege to be able to follow these norms because the lower sections of the society actually could did not follow these etiquettes if you are following etiquettes of this sort the table manners that i just spoke of then you were definitely a high class member <laughs> well i can't use a knife so i guess i'm not but different cultures have different table etiquettes so we cannot delve way deep into this what is considered to be um sophistication in one country is probably rude in the other uh, it depends it varies from culture to culture but here i have a yeah. fun uh, i have a fun fact about forks forks were actually considered very rude when they started the fork had a very hard time getting popular on the table unlike today so uh forks are considered feminine because women would use forks to cut fruits to 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 prevent their fingers from getting sticky and apart from the feminine aspect that got associated with forks which caused all this um hatred and disregard for forks they were also considered to be diabolical and they were considered to be an act against god people would say that hey god has given you natural finger a natural fork which is your fingers so why is your food 
coming in contact with a fork and not your fingers that is just not the natural way of eating so it was considered uh, an act against god it was considered diabolical it was in some parts also considered of the 1500s early 16th century it was also considered an act of um, affectation that is uh, abandoning of democracy it was considered insincere wow. inhuman to be using forks and then much <laughs> later a lot later uh, because of the the elites in society and then again in britain the english they popularized the use of forks and so it spread across to germany france and other cultures and uh, that's because they started britain the english started producing forks for different dishes so there were fork there were forks for bread forks for fish forks for other kinds of meat forks for uh, vegetables fruits and uh, different kinds of forks started to shape up and that is how forks became popularized and pretty much everything that we have today on our tables today the table cloth and an individual plate for ourselves knives spoon forks everything has faced each of these elements has faced a lot of resistance a lot of cultural stigmas until they got adopted widely so that is pretty amusing hey what is this new trend now that we are talking about evolution what is this craze about going vegan and i have noticed no kidding going vegan is really expensive and uh, not just going vegan even going uh, going on to relying on organic produce is pretty expensive <laughs> well yeah I, i can i can attest to uh, a small part of that i have never attempted to go vegan or anything like that but i know a couple of people who have and yes not going into details it wasn't exactly ideal on their purses so to speak but i can talk about the whole organic foods part have you ever been to a fine foods store i love those places everything you see there made be ketchups or jams or fruit or mixed herbs and spices and what not. biscuits and chocolates and every single thing you see in a fine foods place you start evaluating your own standing in the society whether or not you feel entitled to buy uh, something like that and then you pick up the actual item then you look at the look at the price tag and then you decide whether or not you can afford to spend maybe 200 uh, rupees on a 50 gram bottle of strawberry jam considering how far we have come in terms of how how much we process things and how we are trying to make food last longer and reach um every corner of the world basically what globalization did was also make us share our diet with the rest of the world so even today in india we have such a huge amount of western food available to us we have a lot of chinese you know oriental food we have a lot of continental food um, we we like to experiment and well who's to blame we are someone who are not looking at it from a nutrition point of view point per se uh, looking at it from a taste point of view and there is so much to explore so basically what globalization has done is opened up the whole world where we want to send each other stuff and bring stuff back from different places to try through all that we have moved a long way away from the exact natural or very a healthy form of food whatever that is that it is we are consuming and hence going back or insisting on 
eating and consuming that sort of a food has become an ex- expensive affair right now yeah you're right so if you consider pure stuff to be healthy which in most cases it is then yes uh, getting to pure stuff today is quite a luxury that not everyone can afford and even if they can they can't afford it for long periods or in as much amount as one would like right see diabetes obesity cancer and other heart diseases have become a growing concern and it is a result of our ever evolving eating habits and lifestyle choices but it also has to do with eating healthy being expensive which in turn has to do with the availability of unhealthy food the cost of availability of unhealthy food versus healthy food so healthy food is available to us at a much higher cost than unhealthy food if you see organic people are asking us to move to organically produced goods if i were to eat raw strawberries fresh out of the farm i would it would be a lot more difficult task because they would need to be hand picked i cannot have a bruised strawberry on my plate i cannot sell a bruised strawberry to people but if i were to make a processed item out of it say jam which requires machines a bruised strawberry would be totally fine so the cost of producing organic products and versus the cost of processed is a lot higher and even manpower that gets involved in uh, going organic is of course more expensive than machines apart from that i read that organic farming constitutes only 3% of the food that's produced over the globe which is really less so organic organically produced goods can certainly not sustain our population see overnight we all decide to go organic it cannot sustain uh, human life now government also uh, needs to take measures here we can impose maybe uh, governments are in fact even trying to impose uh, tax on junk food unhealthy food um, in some countries like the us the subsidy on processed food is a lot higher than the subsidy on organically produced goods so that actually deters us from buying healthier stuff that could be changed there are a lot of re- uh, ways to adopt to eating healthy like how you mentioned we the shift that happened back in those years from um to agrarian societies where people started growing their own food in smaller communities in their backyard we can actually start that we can actually start growing our own produce in our backyards and um, that is one way of going healthy and the governments uh, could actually promote it uh, for instance in countries like japan this practice is carried out in asia and we uh, i would like to contradict one point you mentioned that we are actually uh, at this point it's all about taste for us but we are moving towards healthier diet and uh, we have become even more conscious now after the covid pandemic so we need to realize the future of organic organically produced goods and uh, if not vegan maybe some sort of a healthy option for um, all sections of the society lower middle and higher yeah so um, admittedly there is a lot to unpack in a lot of the things that you said but yeah i mean uh, it isn't as easy as one would think to switch from the current process and hybrid sort of a culture to organic culture uh, there are a lot of things that go into why we have adapted the current lifestyle uh, in terms of diet as we are currently following it it doesn't necessarily have to be that 
pure and organic stuff needs to be expensive because we as a as a country are probably one of the best examples that needn't be true i mean currently we are looking at organic stuff when you when you if you consider good quality breads and really good quality vegetables and imported vegetables and what not that is something that wasn't part of our diet originally traditionally this is something that we have adopted from outside our culture and then are trying to integrate it into our lifestyles and into our diets even if we talk about the traditional sort of food that we have here the the vegetables that we try to grow and all the basic dietary requirements that we have going organic shouldn't technically be that expensive but we have basically come a way where the production quantity and the amount of processing that we do has gotten to such huge scales that um, perhaps organic farming might actually get to be as expensive as it threatens to be yeah so to just uh, not 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 go on about this there are a lot of factors at play here there are a lot of things to be considered as to how societies evolved to be how uh, they are right now and how food has grown to be a thing that went from like you know it it went from being just a part of sustenance to being a business as well so there are things that changed there and there is a huge 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 number of factors that govern how we look at food that govern how we can access food and that includes sections of the society and financial statuses and what not and hence uh, this would be definitely a, a separate huge topic of discussion as to why we insist on organic foods in the first place and what's wrong with what we are eating right now and what was the condition back a few years ago or like a couple of decades ago maybe definitely a good point and maybe definitely maybe a upcoming podcast right that brings me to the food trends of 2021 so i was going through the report of a singapore based startup called ai palette and they came up with a report on food trends 2021 i was actually surprised reading that report because you know that in asia now we are moving towards much more nutrient rich diet so we are moving towards fruits and vegetables based snacks tofu snacks uh we're moving towards oats and muesli filled chocolate bars uh, cold drinks that are based out of ginger but this is actually the cliche we have come a lot lot far from there for instance in china Coca-Cola launched a drink. It's a supplement drink. Uh, in the year May 2020, which means it's recent, just last year. And the drink, I think I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing it right. Zunxuan, spelled as Z-U-N-X-U-A-N. It's supposed to boost skin care and improve sleeping patterns. And this is Coca-Cola. I'm talking about Coca-Cola. Another wow, example, Pepsi. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Another example Pepsi launched a drink it's a water based enhanced drink called Driftwell and Driftwell as the name suggests is supposed to help aid sleep Pepsi <laughs> again this is the year 2020 in Indonesia a chocolates manufacturer Nikoa launched a Sleepwell chocolate it contains 75% cocoa almonds and uh, himalayan salt it's just amusing what these people are these commercial brands like 
कोका कोला पेप्सी दैट सेल म्योर शुगर वाटर विथ सोडा दे ट्रांजिशनिंग इन टू प्रोडक्ट दैट कैन एक्चुअली हेल्प इम्प्रूव लाइफ स्टाइल द टारगेट हेज बिकम टू एड स्लीप रिड्यूस स्ट्रेस एंड एनहेंस मूड well i remember pepsi as my first encounter with real caffeine i had once uh, down an entire bottle like that that 5 600 ml bottle with a pizza that i had for the first time i did not like the pizza i just washed it down with the pepsi and that was the first time i had that much caffeine and i was up till 3 am that night not having a single idea of what was causing this this sudden insomnia it's a shift in trend definitely <laughs> from coca cola or pepsi resulting in insomnia from their regular drinks to them manufacturing <laughs> drinks that can help aid sleep enhance mood reduce stress i just have to say that food has evolved as a means of it first started as a means of survival sustenance and then it evolved into guilty pleasures by that i mean junk and now we are looking for food for healthier lifestyle food for overall well being you know they say the basic necessities roti kapda makan so roti the food aspect of it it has actually come a long further from being a basic necessity now it's actually become a luxury to help improve our lives to help improve our standard of living to help improve the quality of human population all over the globe as we delve further along this path it actually proves it actually helps us realize the saying even further you are what you eat now more than ever well yeah i guess uh, leonard the scientist would probably disagree with you on this but well if he is listening leonard you're fine to just join our podcast and come and agonize rafia about that uh, in summation i think that's a that's a really good point to end on seeing as how food has evolved from being something that kept us alive then helped us grow helped us evolve into the smart beings that we are today and then using all that smartness we are now trying to change food itself so irony maybe that's how it is right eat evolve repeat right why did i why did i not think of that myself On that very smart and ponderous note, I think we're good to close our podcast. Yes, uh, that's another failure for me trying to sound smart. That's another uh, victory for Rafia, manage, just managing to put out there that she is smarter. <laughs> so yes, that brings us to the end of our third episode, and I'm pretty sure that we probably missed something of importance. Maybe if there is something that you would like to comment upon. please do let us know please do write to either of us and we would be just willing to deal with all your comments and compliments if there are any with an open mind so yeah until next time uh, with another episode of our podcast with another interesting topic for us to talk about until then keep pondering yes please do bye 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 take care stay safe